Well, we, uh, church, are in the middle of, of collecting our world Christmas offering for Southern Baptist missionaries, some 5,000, and over half their operating budget uh, comes from this offering. Our goal as a church is $300,000. We're at two thirty-one plus $231,000. We're going to take it up the next three weeks, so as God leads, please give. We'd love to be able to, in God's kindness, meet that uh, church goal. So that's going on through the month of January. Uh, I was with one of your missionaries most of the weekend. Craig and Rafia Harris were in town. It was a joy to see them. They'll be back for our missions conference in February, February the 24th, 4th, 5th, and 6th. Is that right? And uh, please check your calendars. And whatever you're doing that weekend, um, apart from life-saving surgery, you should cancel and be here. This, this, the 24th, 25th, 26th is a high mark time for our church when we hear God's heart for the nations. That's a little, a little more than a month from now. So we are in this new year. I want to take out a couple of Sundays and talk about a new year's theme. And so I'm in the book of Second Peter. And last week, you know, in the closing exhortation, Peter says in this, what we call a cyclical or, or general epistle to a group of churches. He, he says, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Because you see the coming eternity, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. And then in the next basic sentence, he answers how we make every effort. He says, but, but be on your guard so that you will not be swept away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. So one way we guard ourselves is that, or we make every effort is that we guard ourselves. And we come to the second way today that we make every effort. And that is verse 18, the last verse of the epistle. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's very simple. But but, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Christ. One of the themes of this book, and really the whole Bible, is, is light and darkness. Light and darkness. We have this concept of, for example, light. In Second Peter chapter 1, he gives this statement, verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises so that by them we may escape the corruption in this world and participate in His divine nature. It's an incredible statement because through these Great and precious promises, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What a statement. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith knowledge, and to your knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Then he says this. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, it's the increasing measure, they will keep you from 
being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be ineffective. I don't want to be unproductive. I mean, you're never going to meet anybody that says, you say, what is your goal in life? And they're not going to say, well, my goal in life is to be ineffective and unproductive. Nobody's going to say that. But you can sure live that way. You can sure get in a rut. You sure can just kind of go from activity to activity like somebody that's on some type of drug-induced catatonic state. So, so, so the, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. It's a light. His promises has given us everything we need for life and godliness. What a promise. He's given us these so that we may escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires and participate in the divine nature. But, so light, change, glorious change, but also there's, there's darkness. He says that we live in a world where we have to push back the darkness and fight against the darkness. Listen to chapter 2. He says this, verse 1. There will also be false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Destructive heresies. Verse 3. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. And he says in chapter 2 about these false teachers, verse 13. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. Verse 17, these men are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. Darkness. Bad teaching. Teaching that empties the reality of Christ of his glory. And so, so you, you have this comparison and contrast, light and dark. Therefore... Go back to the closing exhortation. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him by, by guarding yourselves. Last week, guarding yourselves so that you'll not be swept away by the air of lawless men. And number two today, by growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Grow. Let me show you this quote. This is from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity is a phenomenal book, and there's a section of that book that I think is maybe one of the finest statements on biblical anthropology I've ever read. It is just about, about man. It's just incredible. It's written in a very understandable way. You should read Mere Christianity. Lewis says this. All right. <clears throat> Again, think of this. Peter says in chapter 1, He's given us these very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, become like Jesus, and escape the corruption in the world. Okay, this is what Lewis says. If he does not support us, not one of us is safe from some gross sin. Okay, the corruption of the world. I, I say... Fairly frequently, we are one decision away from blowing it. You've heard that. The next sentence, though, I want you to see this. The next sentence, Lewis says, on the other hand, and this is where I sometimes stop short, and I want you to hear this this morning. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Grow. Grow. If anyone possesses these qualities in increasing measure, say, grow. 
On the other hand, no possible degree of holiness or heroism which has ever been recorded of the greatest saints is beyond what he is determined to produce in every one of us in the end. Think about that. God wants to make his people, his men and his women, into people who reflect his image to a watching world. The end result of our knowledge of the living God, according to Romans chapter 8, is to be like Jesus Christ. Beware of settling for minimalistic standards. I say that to myself. Peter says to this minority church in a culture that doesn't like or love or belly up to what he's preaching, grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And I look at this and ask myself, am I growing in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus? Am I... Am, am, I, am I being changed from glory to glory by His Holy Spirit? Am I reflecting the reality of Christ? That's my question this morning. Am, am, I, someone, am, am I saying, Lord, change me. Work in my life. You changed a Saul into a Paul and a Simon into a Peter. Change me. In my latter years, change me. In my 20s, change me. By your Spirit, work in me. I I fear that we don't understand the radical nature of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to change us from glory to glory. Okay. There's continual healing in his wing. Another quote. This is really good. Get this. For mere improvement is not redemption. Though redemption always improves people. God became man to turn creatures into sons. Not simply to produce a better men of the old kind, but to produce... A new kind of man. It is not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. Wow. New men, new women in Christ. And and, and then you go to the text. And the key to this glorious change that I want in me, that I want in you, that I want in our families... In those who are Christ followers, the key to change is, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You, you see, you, you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. I just thought this was done that grace fuels knowledge and knowledge feeds grace. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just an ongoing, you know, grace and knowledge, grace and knowledge. You, you grow in understanding the greatness of the cross, the eternal covenantal ongoing love of the triune God for his people that 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 astounding love it knocks you over and it says I want to know him more this God who loves me with an everlasting love who is for me 
who cares for me, who delights in me, who will quiet me with his love, Zephaniah 3, who rejoices over me with singing, I want to know him more. And the more you know him, the more you see grace, and it just feeds and it feeds and it feeds and it feeds. So knowledge fuels grace, or grace fuels knowledge, and knowledge feeds grace. It just goes back and forth. The key is understanding the greatness and the majesty and the glory of Christ. It's it. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord means Almighty One. Jesus means Savior who saves us from our sin. Christ means the Anointed One, the Promised One, Messiah King. Grow in the Almighty God who is the Savior from for our sin, who is the Anointed Messiah, the long-expected One to Him. Be glory forever and ever. Amen. What's the key? What's the key to the whole Christian faith? is knowing Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the key to having the, the type of, of home or the type of relationships you want? Is to, is to worship Jesus to whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. That's worship. The key is to worship Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is to get on your face before God every day and say, God, by your Spirit, change me. By your Spirit, save me from my own inclinations. And, 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 and fill me with yourself. That's the key. That's what need to be, we need to be about. Listen to this passage. This is Matthew 16, a well-known passage. Let me just read part of it to you. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Me, he says. They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you, he asked. What do you say? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. High watermark. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You're Peter. I, I think he's saying that you're the chief of the apostles and disciples. I'm going to build my church on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. I'll be the cornerstone. But this confession, this knowledge of who I am, that is the foundation. I mean, it was a glorious moment. <clears throat> next, next, maybe the next breath, two hours later, listen. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter, who's just boldly said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, whom Jesus just said, your name is Peter. And on this rock, this prophet and apostolic team, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell won't prevail. Peter takes him aside. He says, Lord, come on. Let me, let me talk to you for a minute. He says, never. Not on my watch. They're not going to take you. Never. 
This will not happen to you. And Jesus said to him, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. I, I, I step away from this passage and I go, you know, whenever anybody downplays, obscures, misses the glory of the cross-bearing Son of God who died on the cross for me. Whenever they walk away from that, they cover it, they turn. Whenever they do that, they are walking in darkness. Darkness. What's the key? The key is understanding the glory and the goodness and the grandeur of the cross-bearing Savior. That's it. See, that's why when you study the New Testament in Philippians, Paul's in prison, and there's a group of people, I don't understand how this happened, but they were preaching Christ to spite Paul. I don't understand that, but I guess they were kind of saying, well, you know, Paul's preaching the right message, but he's not a very good speaker, something like that. But but they were preaching the gospel, and people came to him and said, Paul, we're really upset. He said, listen, (laughs) they're preaching Jesus. Let them go. As long as Jesus has been glorified, I'm happy as a clam. That's a translation. Okay. And then in Galatians, in Galatians, the same man encounters a group of earnest Jewish, maybe believers, he's not sure, who are going around saying, you know, if it's fine to believe in Jesus, but really to make that operative in your life, you must observe the law. Really, it's up to you. The cross is kind of an afterthought. It's really up to you. And the same guy that was playing a ukulele and wearing flip-flops in Philippians all of a sudden says, if any man preaches a gospel other than one that we proclaim to you, may he be condemned to eternal hell. What's the difference? Group A had terrible motivation. But they got the message right. Group B didn't get the message right. We got to get the message right. I talked to a man this week. Uh, he's a very thoughtful person. He's a thinker. Um, he told me a horrific story um, about a, a friend who died recently. And he said this friend is a, was, was a leader in his church. It's a, it's a Christian church, supposedly, has a Christian name on it. And he said, I, I, I went to see him recently, or right before he died, and I went to his library, and his library had all these books, but there was nothing in his library about theology or about the Christian faith. It was, he had Deepak Chopra. He had, you know, seven steps to doing this and five steps to doing that. And, but there was nothing there that would make me think that he was, you know, uh, that, that really bothered me. And then he died and left two small children, and I went to the funeral, and I went to, and so I sat at the funeral. The funeral oration did not mention the name of Jesus at all. Talked about him being a good guy, talked about him being friendly. Didn't mention the hope of the gospel at all. I hear those stories, and I want to weep. And I think about those dear people who go to that church Sunday after Sunday, and they never hear the name of the one 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. His name is Jesus. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Almighty God, who's the sin bearer, who's Messiah King. Occasionally, I go through a major city in another state, and I always go by this, I always go by a church. No, no, usually. He's got a sign up front that says, his name, underneath the name says, a liberal Baptist church, exclamation point. And I thought, that, that's just kind of strange. I don't, I, I've always thought, well, maybe somebody's been messing with, you know, the letters and these church signs have letters that are a pox on that stuff. Anyway, it gives people a chance to put up stupid stuff all the time. But anyway, a liberal Baptist, I thought, but it says it all the time. So I went on the website this week. I was studying this in the way. And this, let me just read one paragraph. This is their, their, really their purpose statement. It's pretty long. This church, I won't tell you the name, is a group of folks. I, I want to be kind here, but just listen. It's a group of folks figuring out how to be a social justice-oriented, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered, inclusive, incarnational, contemplative, irreverent, ancient future church with a progressive but deeply rooted theological imagination. The church, our, this church the, is a theological zoo which includes humanist spirituality, quiet spirituality, activist spirituality, cranky spirituality, honest faith spirituality, intellectual spirituality, a spirituality of simplicity, psychologically oriented spirituality, labyrinth spirituality and other non-listed spiritualities which are not listed because of space requirements and because we don't know who is arriving in the near future. Now, let me just say this. Uh, that, that should make us weep. Weep. And I, and I, th- I thought about, they're, they're in a major thoroughfare in a city and some 27, 26-year-old guy who's left college and thought he was going to conquer the world and the world's conquered him. And he's down. He's just down. He's just down. He's thinking about suicide. He says, well, maybe there's a God. And then he thinks, you know, I heard about my granddaddy who died before I was born and none of his children followed in his steps, but I heard my dad, granddaddy had had a deep faith in God. And he, he, he was a Baptist. I've never been to a Baptist church. There's a Baptist church over there. And you go in there and you get nothing. And it breaks my heart. And I want to say, just, just take the name Baptist off your sign. I mean, Baptists historically have believed in new birth in Jesus. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the key, folks? The key is... Christ. I was, 2 Corinthians says this, chapter 10, Paul says, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. And so we say, you know, get rid of your strongholds. And that's the correct application. But the primary application is he was destroying strongholds that minimized the person and work of Jesus. He says, you know, these, these, 
These strongholds that minimize the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal God, who's the sin-bearing Messiah King, long-awaited one. Man, we, we, want to, we want to destroy those. We want to blow those up. Then he says in the next chapter, he says this, I, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, church at Corinth. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He says, and be aware. Later in the chapter he says, verse 14, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. More harm is done, I believe. You're going to disagree with this some of you. More harm is done, I believe, but by people who masquerade around and call themselves religious and may even have a historical religious placard on their stationery, but who have denied the gospel. More damage is done to people by those folks than the folks who run bars where they sell prostitutes and cocaine in the back door. Because you know those people are, are, are darkness. It's pretty clear what they're up to. But those who parade around and they, they, they use the words but not the content and they deny the gospel by the way they preach. Destroy people. Destroy people. And so I, I plead with you in 2012, make Christ central. Cultivate the knowledge of Christ. I have said for years... You know, if somebody were to wander in here on, on the Lord's Day and I want them to leave saying, you know, the music is really incredible. The guy speaking is boring. But let me tell you something. Those people somehow believe that this man named Jesus was God and something on the cross takes care of their sin, whatever that is. They were, that's what, I, you got it. You get it. That's who we are. Cultivate. Cultivate. Grow in the grace of knowledge. Are you growing? You see, ruts. Uh, men, especially us men, men are like bobcats. We go on the same path every day, the same direction, the same time of the day. I can tell you almost to the end. You can ask me, what are you going to be doing next week? Fill in the blank. I can almost tell you what I'll be doing. I, I just ruts. Uh, for example, a couple, couple stories. Got time. Occasionally, my wife and I go to a nice restaurant. You know, the ones where there's just one sheet to choose from, not multi fold out TGI Fridays, five thousand things. I mean, one sheet, candlelight, linen. Expensive. And uh, the guy comes out there and, you know, he's, good evening. And we have these three specials. We have pan-seared um, flounder with garnish. And the presentation is just incredible. We have aged beef flown in from New Zealand. And uh, it's mouth-watering and something else. And, and my wife says, oh, oh, well. He says, I'll give you, I'll come back. So he comes back in five minutes. My wife says, I don't know what to choose. I don't know what to do. So she says, I, I guess I'll get this. Says, and you, sir, I said, look down at the bottom. It says chicken breast with mashed potatoes and peas. I said, is your chicken breast good? And he goes, 
He, he looks at like he's never seen it before. And he says, well, we do serve that occasionally. <laughs> and, and I said, I'll, I'll have the chicken breast with the mashed potatoes and green beans. And he leaves my life and goes, you always get chicken breast. You do. He said, a bobcat. A bobcat. My, my wife and daughter have been bragging about a restaurant in this city for months. Incredible food. He said, just, it's, it's incredible. New year, I want to make some brownie points. So I come says, let me take you to lunch today. Oh, really? Where are we going? I want to surprise you. Okay. So we go to this restaurant. We park in front. I can't believe we're going to this restaurant. I said, yeah, I'm wonderful. You know what <laughs> so, so you go in the, you go in the restaurant, and here's, listen, you know, guys, you know you're in trouble. If you go into a restaurant, and on the wall are impressionistic French painters, Monet, Cezanne, Renoir, and, and, and 85% of the people there are women eating salad with water and no ice and lemon things inside. You know you're in trouble. And so we sat down and ordered, and my wife said, oh, this is incredible. Thank you for doing this. This food is so good. I said, yeah. So we leave and we get out, and she said, what did you think? I said, well, really... I just so needed Moe's. <laughs> and she went, play that. No, I'm telling you, ruts. I'm, I'm ruts. Um, ruts. Grow in the grace of knowledge. And see, I've been thinking about this for several weeks. I've been praying about this year and what I want to do and by God's grace. And I've got four main goals. I redid my purpose statement. So I'm, I've got a head jump on a lot of you guys. But there, there's, some, there's an application statement in the bulletin about two goals before God you want to address this year. And you share those with some people. You know, the way to keep New Year's goals is to tell people about them. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you two of my goals, and I'll fall forward just two. Let me tell you, one goal is this. <clears throat> I want to have a deeper concern for people and their eternal welfare. No, so what you need to do is to say, well, what have you done this week to show a concern for the eternal welfare of people? Have you sent a letter? Have you talked to someone? Have you given somebody a book? I need to do that. I get in a rut. I come here, I do my stuff, I go to meetings, I go to meetings, I go to meetings, I do my stuff. I need, I need to break out. Listen, I need to break out of the Christian ghetto. You know what I mean? The second thing is, I think it was, is I want to speak the truth in love as a pastor. So what does that mean? Well, I have a tendency to avoid conflict. And not to sit down with somebody and say, you know, as your shepherd, this really concerns me. And Galatians 6 says... If someone is trapped in sin, you who are spiritual, go and restore him and do it gently. You don't bring out the bazookas and blow them away. You do it gently because you know your own heart. But you still need to do it. I don't need to avoid. I, I need to be God's man. I, let's just, you say, and so you need to ask me, how have you spoken the truth in love? I mean, see, let's push the barriers, folks. Let's get out of the rut. Because God wants to change us. Isn't that something? God wants to continually change us until we breathe our last. And then we go to the presence of Jesus, and there is no more sin. 
change. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. The key is Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer, please. Father, I pray you'd make much of your name in us uh, this year. I pray that we would reflect the glory of Christ by the power of the Spirit. I pray that you would uh, you would so work in us that occasionally we would stop and say, that was God. That attitude, that gracious response to a vindictive comment, that, that ability to love someone who is unlovely, that uh, st- standing in the gap and speaking the truth in an environment where the truth is not well received, um, that we just don't say, wow, that was the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. And uh, I pray you push us. I pray you change us. I pray that you'd bring harmony and joy and laughter where now there is discord and anger. I pray you'd bring deep servanthood where there is now a desire to be served. I pray you'd bring a sense of motivation and an eternal perspective in, a, in place of kind of the, the drifting spirit of our age. So God, God use us. I just This year we're... Unarguably, we're one year closer to eternity. What we are. And uh, we, we want to live for you. We want to make a difference. So lead on, great God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much.